Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Gaming Starts Here. Let's have a little chat podcast. And I'm coming to you live from Connecticut, pre-storm, whatever the hell's about to go on over the next two days. Um, <laughs> no idea. I haven't even looked at it. All I know is we're about to get hit by something, and it ain't going to be too friendly. Yeah, I'm getting the winter storm. Yeah, and we haven't gotten many this year, so it's not the biggest, uh, it's not a big deal, I guess. Yeah, but my so, birthday's on Thursday. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, it usually snows on mine, though. Yeah, I know. What's up with and that? it didn't this year, so I'm okay with that. I am okay with that. <laughs> so this week, we are bringing you a topic that is probably going to differ a bit between myself and Game Guru. Uh, in our personal experience, but on an industry-wide, we can discuss and delve into that as we've seen, because we've been playing games since I can remember anything. Yeah. <laughs> I think, like, some of my first memories come from gaming. So, yeah, I've been playing games for a while, and since I'm over the uh, the ripe age of 30, uh, I have <laughs> I have seen a lot of changes in the gaming world, so... And I'm, I know Game Guru has as well. So this episode we are going to focus later on about the evolution of gaming on a personal and industry basis. But before we get to that point, I need to know what the hell Game Guru has been playing that is not Monster Hunter. Because we all know he's been playing a lot of Monster Hunter. So we need to see the other games that he's been playing. It's, uh, you know, I did start <clears throat> two, new, two new games. Um... The good thing is I finally sat down and put the pile there, and I was just like, what do I want to play right now? And it came to uh, Uncharted Lost Legacy, which I heard is very solid so far. About three, four hours, not even four, three hours, maybe about two hours in. It's very solid. It's Uncharted, just like four. It's like the same formula, nothing really new so far. They just use a lot of adventure base gaming mechanics that I like. The shooting in Uncharted games is not the greatest, as Fu would know. Oh, they're, yeah. not great. they're not it, great for shooting. I, 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 think, I think what makes it not so great, like, more that I think about it, is it's not that it's, like, terrible. Like, it's, it's, no, it's manageable. But what happens is they send you hordes of enemies. Yeah, and exactly. you have to – and then, like, every time you do have shooting sequences, they last for a little bit. So you get this prolonged experience of the, the shooting not being the best thing. And honestly, the worst thing about the Uncharted games is the shooting. Pretty much everything yeah. else is good. Yeah. So, it's not even bad. Like, that's the thing. If if their shooting was was better, they like they would probably be perfect games, like yeah. literally perfect. <laughs> yeah. So um, like they're usually like I've liked all of them. So but yes, yeah. continue, Mister Game Guru. Yeah, no, I'm I'm liking it because today I think a, I don't know a lot of genres lack the adventure aspect. I understand there's the open worldness where you you know you go out in an open world, you can do a lot of stuff, but a lot of games lack that adventure aspect. And the thing I like about this game is. You know, like, you go to a door that you can't get through, and, like, you take the, uh, you know, the grappling hook from the front of your Jeep, you tie it to something, you pull it, or, you know, you climb up to the top, you reach the lever, your friend goes through, and it's, I don't know, it feels seamless. It feels like Tomb Raider back when, you know, one of my favorite adventure games back in the day, which is very hard for normal people, but, you know. Oh, my um, God. Try going back and playing those old yeah, ones I, now. I don't want to. Those mechanics are horrible. Those mechanics oh, were horrible then. God. And I and I liked it for some reason. Those mechanics it's, I've died many times. It had that so it had that same similar movement to like 
the Resident Evil games where you can only mm-hmm. move in like four different directions. Yeah. And you had to kind of like line yourself up right yep. for jumps. And just like the time, your timing with everything had to be impeccable when yeah, you were doing like, the jumps and oh man. It wasn't free jumping. It was like you walk to the edge of a square, you press back, then you do the run. It was so calculated, but I don't know why I liked them. I like adventure games when it's not all about just shooting or something. It's about the See? exploration and using ropes and climbing and doing puzzles and stuff. And it's so far Lost Legacy grabs that. And the two the two girls that started Chloe and uh, I think her name is Claudine or something like that. I forget what her name is. She's from Uncharted Four. They have great chemistry, and I do have to say the acting and voice acting. I think it's. Who's the girl? She, I think she won an award. But the two girls that are uh, playing them uh, were both nominated, I believe, for both their performances, and it is top notch. You're like they're good action like film games. They're they're solid. It's solid so far. I'm going to try to finish it by this weekend. And also, before I let you get to it, I did crack open Bayonetta one because originally we had that on PS3. I didn't like it as much. I didn't dislike. didn't dislike it. It was more so. I think the PlayStation Three version was not optimized, right? And it was very choppy, and it just wasn't a good experience. And then at the same time, I think I was bashing on it because it was very Devil May Cry like. But you know, Bayonetta is her own character, and at least playing now again, the story does seem a bit more interesting, even if it is over the top. There's some, there's a base groundness to it, if that makes sense. There is a ground grounded sort of theme but she's sort of over the top and a lot of stuff is over the top but i'm enjoying it i'm on like chapter four i think now oh you got a while to go (laughs) yeah so so i'm still in there how many chapters uh if you count the prologue and the epilogue i think there's 18 in the first one oh wow oh wow so so yeah, just because i the only reason i know that off the top of my head is because i myself just played through both Bayonetta and Bayonetta 2. Powered and, through the uh, Yeah, <laughs> so I like, uh, I started with Bayonetta back when it originally, like when it came out was like a week or two ago. And mm-hmm. um, when they first released the, the Switch versions, I, I started it up then and I was playing through like a chapter here and a chapter there and I would just put it down and whatnot. Uh, but the other day, if you, uh, I decided, all right, I'm just going to, I'm just going to like power through this because I really want to play the second one because I hear all these great things about the second one. And I was enjoying the first one. Um, but So I, I powered through it, played through it. The boss fights in that game are great. Uh, I, I'm not going to say too much about the story because Game Guru is playing through it at the moment. It's something we can save for another time. Mm-hmm. But the um, I do like the boss fights in those games. Like They feel incredibly epic. Um they made a lot of quality of life changes in that game from one to two. And two is pretty much just a better version in every aspect of one. So that's not saying that. One hmm? quick question for you, because you just played them both back to back and you primarily played them docked. Yes. Okay. Did you notice and did you try to undocked? I just want to know if if there was a difference in performance because I've been playing undocked primarily. I might try docked later. Uh, so I played uh, one undocked a little bit. I probably played a few chapters from mm-hmm. the first one undocked. Played perfectly fine. I I did not play any of two undocked. It was completely okay. docked. Okay. Um, I mean, the game runs pretty well. 
uh, docked, and there I didn't really see any hiccups. I mean, some of the graphics were a little eh, at certain parts. Yeah, it's a last um, generation game. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's they just kind of threw a, like a fresh coat of paint on it. it. Bayonetta two was the kind of game that they said we need to get this game out to everybody who was not able to play it on the Wii U because I don't think a lot of people bought it on the Wii U. So they were like, we need people to play this because one, we have Bayonetta 3 coming and two, it was like a critically acclaimed action game that not many people got to play. So them re-releasing, and I'm actually curious as to what the numbers were in sales for that game because of how much it didn't sell on the Wii U. And now that the... um, the switch is doing so well that I'm, I'm curious to, as to how well it did. But yeah, I, I powered through those two games, and it was it was an enjoyable experience. I'll say, like I I wanted to play two, like I couldn't put two down. I literally started playing two yesterday, and I finished it pretty much moments before the um, like moments before we had started doing the podcast. And it it was it was everything I wanted it to be, and then some. Like the the story was just overall much better, and I had I don't know like my experience with the game was just generally better. So I've also been playing a game called I believe it's called Quest of Dungeon, um, and it is it's kind of like it's it's one of those games where when you die that's it like you die. It's a sprite-based game. It was it was super cheap on um, on the Switch. I think it was under ten dollars, and I was like, you know what? This looks kind of cool, like something I can just mess around with when I don't really want to dive into something fully. So I, it's it's mm-hmm. a small game. It's not uh, very long, but so pretty much when you're playing it, you have to choose uh, initially from four classes, and uh, mm-hmm. each class has a different play style. Um, there's like a warrior, uh, some kind of mage. And then there's an assassin and a like a, a shaman. You end up unlocking more classes as you play through it, but the um, each the playstyle for each class is extremely different. Uh, but the game is. I think you were you telling me about this game. I, I think I did Somewhere. a little bit. Um, but the it was it's very hard at certain points. So the you start off with like at level one with no gear, and you have to kill things for them to drop stuff. But mind you. When you're level one, these things can absolutely destroy you if you just go oh, running crap. into these rooms. So honestly, uh, you you have to go through multiple floors in a dungeon, and as you go down, the dungeon gets progressively harder. There's also a random a chance that bosses can appear in rooms when you open the door. So Plum bosses are random. <laughs> yeah. So kind of think of it like uh, kind of how I guess I want to say similar to. Diablo, in a sense, like how things are okay. really random in the dungeon. Uh, and, yeah, you, you just kind of go through, and as an assassin, you're using a bow, primarily. So the you're, you have, like, incredible range, but so do some of the enemies, and you have, like, no defense. Mm-hmm. So you, you have to... It's, like, terrifying going into rooms. And as you kill certain things, they have a chance to drop more skills. So you teach yourself skills. But, like, when you die, you die. It's over. Like, you lose everything that you had. Um, and then, oh wow! So there's no like saving and no progression. Well, you like can that. you can save, but you can't play. You can't have like multiple saves. You can only have one character saved, and then when you die, you can't like go back to your save point. Your save disappears. 
So, so you start from the beginning as level one again. Yep. So the whole point is to go through the, the whole dungeon, and then you get out, and then you're done. So you just finish the dungeon, you complete, there's a final boss that you have to kill. After you kill that boss, dungeon's done. And then you can go and do the next dungeon. There's, I think, five so different dungeons. So will it dungeons. save that you- Will it save the fact that you did the first dungeon? Yeah, but when you start the next dungeon, you have to start a new character because the next dungeon is is starts uh, at level one again. Um, so yeah, you get like your you get there's like a leaderboard online and it says like how many points you got and based on what you did and oh, so it's it's this design like it's like a design based game that's you know see how far you can get with this character essentially yeah it's it's really okay. like that sounds that sounds fun it's and it, like i said it's a good pick up quick put down game because you can literally play it in like short bursts you don't need to play it a lot um and then there's one other game i want to bring up before we dive into the news and that is i've been uh so on the weekend my girlfriend loves playing splatoon so the switch is pretty much not available to me on the weekends <laughs> uh which i'm fine with because it allows me to I've been playing mobile games recently so I've been checking out mobile ports of games to see how well they are and I've been I played the first Evil Land years ago and I saw that the second Evil Land was on uh mobile and I was like all right it's like 6 bucks I'm going to go I'm going to play it and uh I've been playing it and I actually really enjoying it so one of the things I realized is I really like Evil Land I think it's a, a genius idea in how they make the game like it kind of goes through the different eras of um like RPGs and action adventure type style RPGs similar to say like the old Zeldas. Uh so it and it upgrades like different things happen in the game like major events and once the major event happens the graphics change entirely. So and but everything about the game changes because now you're looking at it from a different view, you can do different things that you weren't able to do before. Um and even the characters acknowledge the fact that like they're like, "Oh wow, I'm in 3D now. What the hell happened?" Um <laughs> That sounds cool. So, and they take like they make they usually take stabs at other games. Like they they took a stab at like Metal Gear because you were hide, using a box to hide under <laughs> to get by guards. And the, the, oh, this is mobile. Yeah, so it's on it's on um, phones. I it, this so what I was gonna say is I really hope that they decide to port this game to the Switch because one thing I've realized is I love playing RPG and action adventure games like that on the Switch. Like it is the perfect platform because. Uh-huh. I think I just love playing RPGs on mobile platforms, period. Like, because when I had the Vita, I freaking loved playing RPGs on that system. Like, I played Persona yeah. uh, 4 on that system only, and mm-hmm. I loved it. So, like, I really just like playing RPGs on that because it's you can just lay back, undock it, and just, like, hang out on the couch or lay in the bed or whatever you want to do and just play an RPG. And it allows you to just yeah. kind of get fully engrossed in it. Yeah. So, um that being said, I'm going to, we're going to move on to the news so that we can get into the meat of what we want to talk about today. Um, the first thing that I want to say is it is officially past a year since the Nintendo Switch has come out. And for a system that people were very unsure of when it was first announced, extremely unsure of what <laughs> Nintendo was doing, like, and developers... It, like most of the people in like media were just like, uh, I mean, it's, it has like a, it could do really well or it could completely backfire <laughs> depending on how people take to it. I can yeah. officially say after a year that it has not backfired at all. And if anything, it is, is the best decision that Nintendo made in a very long time. Yeah, it fully exceeded anyone's expectations. Like the fact that some of the um, like the, 
developers from other companies are like, yeah, no, they didn't expect it to do that well. And here it is just like killing it right now. They had a great first year, mainly because of uh, Zelda. And if you want to count the fact that three Mario games came out in its first year, um, it had yeah. Mario Rabbids, it had, um, which I'm call it, uh, Mario Odyssey, oh. and then it also had the uh, it re-released Mario Kart, which the fact that all three yeah. of those games had, a, I think, over a 50% ratio of uh, owned to sold consoles. Yeah. Like, that's that's crazy. They pretty much pulled out the bazookas for the first year. Zelda, you had all those Marios, you'd Splatoon 2. Yeah, and, and I, I think mean, I think by them doing that and them showing like the sales and then some indie developers starting to really release games for it, it showed a lot of the other indie developers that like this is a good console to come to because people are buying the indie games on the system. Even though they might already own them. Yeah. They're going ahead and doing oh. it. You got an ambulance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's crazy because I'm on a small street and I'm on a one way street. So no yeah. idea where that thing's going. But but yeah, it's I mean I'm congratulations to Nintendo. Like that there yeah. are there are times well, in the 14, past fourteen million? Yeah. Oh yeah. They they surpassed for sure. Yeah. They surpassed Wii U's total sales in the first year. Actually in the first ten oh, yeah. months, I think they did. Yeah. So that that says a lot. I mean, if if they kinda can kind of keep on that trajectory for a while, then their their sales are gonna do extremely well. Uh and I think that yeah. it will. It's because mainly because of the fact that it's portable, and I think that is literally one of the best selling points of it, especially to people like myself who mainly plays games on the PC. Some of those games that are out on the PC, if I want to play them undocked in the kitchen upside down, I have the ability to do that <laughs> with the Switch. Like me. Yeah. <laughs> I brought Bayonetta to work today. I sat in my car and played Bayonetta for a good three years. Hours, I think. Yeah, yeah, and it's and that's what it's great for. I mean, the the other handheld system that I had for a while, the the Vita. I mean, such a great piece of hardware. The hardware itself for that mm-hmm. system was great. It's just that Sony kind of didn't support. really support just... it. They they released games for it, but I mean, it was really became just an RPG machine, and which I mm-hmm. mean, hell, I didn't have a problem with that. But it showed it, there wasn't really going to be like down the road support for it. It was just kind of getting games that were already out. Um, and mainly people were just using it to play any new JRPGs that were coming out. Uh, which is a travesty, but it is what it is. At least Nintendo has it going right now with, uh, the switch, which I love my only beef with the switch is if it's a, a very high end, not high end, but you know, it's a very modern game. It eats that battery. And I understand you can only put a battery so big in there, but man, when I'm out, I think I was playing Bayonetta earlier. I looked down like 30 minutes later from 100%. It was like a 75. I'm like, oh, gosh. Yeah. And, and you know. games like that I can see because there's so much action and craziness going yeah. on the screen in those games that the, the battery life is just going to go kaput. Yeah. Zelda Breath of the Wild did that too for me. And that was my only regret, but I understand. It's not like, oh, man, it's stupid as crap or anything. It's... It is what it is. It's portable. I get to play a game of that quality on the go. And it, I love the screen size. I keep hearing people say, oh, maybe we'll get a Switch or a bigger screen. Yeah, if it happens, it happens. But 
The screen that it has is perfect for me. I can't wait to dive into some other RPGs like the Shin Megami uh, Tensei, I believe it's coming out for Octopath Traveler is coming out for it. I'm quite sure everyone else... I think so. Octopath is coming out this year. I'm pretty sure it's yeah. It, they're on. They're slated to come out this year. I don't know about Shin, Mag- uh, Shin Megami. When is? Yeah. I think they want to come out this year, but we we haven't really. We've only seen a cut, a small like little cutscene for that game. So we, exactly. Yeah, we. I don't. I wouldn't say that it's probably going to come out this year. It'll probably come out next year. But Octopath is a big one that. I mean, we got the I demo of it. I cannot wait for that game. And, yeah, I, I really can't wait. Like, the team that – because I believe that's the same team that made Bravely Default. And, I like, with the exception of a few things, I thought Bravely Default was one of the better games that Square Enix has made in the past mm-hmm. 10 years. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for, for that. And it's, it's definitely, like, an interesting take on how to do, like, the whole sprite world. Um, yeah, well – also going on in the news though the so it's been six months since destiny 2 has come out and uh (laughs) kotaku actually was reporting it earlier today that destiny is 2 is actually struggling and i could have so seen that from miles away now uh game guru has played it and I haven't actually yeah, played it heavily when it first came out. Yeah, and I haven't gotten, actually gotten a chance to play it. But I mean, I played the first one. I got the gist of what the game is. The shooting in the game was great. It was a lot of fun to do the shooting, and I love shooting games. But mm-hmm. those games can only hold you for so long. They're very similar to MMOs, and they are fighting against a lot of other games who are trying to be service based now. And yep. yeah, the it's thing in, is, uh, I, I can say the reasons it's struggling is. And the first Destiny didn't get it right off the jump. Lost a lot of people. Gained a lot of people back when I believe uh, Taking King came out. And it was really good. Solid game. Everybody liked where it was going. Um, they had another expansion, too, um, that came out later. And it was pretty smooth. So, two, you were thinking they were going to up the ante. And they know everything you know that needs to be done in order to keep a sustainable, paid-for-service. Not really paid-for-service, because you only paid for the add-ons, but... As a service-based game, you would think they had it, right? So 2 comes out, and it's super casual. The story, while seems better, is a little bit more convoluted in my eyes. Shooting's still great. The way you level up in the post-story sort of stuff became too... I wouldn't say too easy, but it's so accessible that a lot of people were done within the first week. If that and... They don't have the strikes like before, like you would, you know, go to strikes to get new gear and stuff. Gear comes in so many different ways that you kind of don't need it. But then they have the soft cap, and then, you know, a lot of people are trying to hit 305, and, like, they will give you day after day, you will get legendaries and exotics that will not bring your light level up. So you can spend a whole week sitting at the same light level, and it's very frustrating, and people gave up on it, and then, you know... The uh, extra stuff just wasn't coming in fast enough. People lost interest, and people see that you know it's almost going to be a repeat of you know the first one again, and no one wants to give it a chance anymore. I know I didn't. I don't. I bought the gold edition with every all the DLC. I guess that was come with it. What a waste of money on my end, you know. Yeah. I drank the Kool Aid on that one. I lost out, but I have. Funny thing is, the old Destiny. I always peeked and saw what was going on. Maybe I'd go back. This one. 
I have no interest. I have no want. I haven't looked at it. I don't care about it. I can probably tell you why it is. Why? Because I don't think anybody else that we know is doing the same thing either. So uh-huh. if no, if no one, a lot of what brings people back to that game is your fr- is like friends who are playing it. Who are like, hey, come back and we can all do this together. But because there are so many other service games now, if you don't have a game that truly grabs people, they're not going to come back to it. Yeah, you know, I'm just not a fan of that. Like even with the division, now I know I liked the division when it came out. I did stuff. Or, you know, I played it for a long time. Really fun. It wasn't complete, but it wasn't a huge mess either. It was okay. But it was fun every day hopping on people playing it. But the thing I'm not liking is these games come out, and before they come out, they tell you all this stuff. Oh, it's going to be a living, breathing world. Oh, you're going to do this. You're going to do that. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. And it comes out, and they fumble for like the first year and a half. And now the division is what? Yeah, it's March now. It's three years old or so, two, three, two, three years old. And um, it's who really cares? that old like, already? I, I, it might be two years. It might have been 2016 when it came out. Even so, two years. Who cares now? You finally got the game running two years after I bought it, you know? Hey, don't knock that because Rainbow Six did the same thing, and Rainbow Six yeah. right now is doing better than it ever did when it first came out because of that. But you want to know the thing? Rainbow Six had a following before. That's Rainbow Six. There's people that either love or hate it. I remember we had this conversation years ago about Rainbow Six, and you said how it was just never your thing. You being the shooter guy, I always pick your brain when it comes to that because you're the shooter guy. And you always said, I've always tried to tried to give uh, Rainbow Six New Vegas, not New Vegas, uh, it was a Vegas one, though. Yeah. It was a Rainbow Six game, and I'm like, oh, why don't you play that? Why don't you like that? And you're like, dude, I just don't like the mechanics. I respect people that play it, but it had a following before then, I believe, starting with the PC. So it's had a following, and it's got a name. So there are people that are still going to play that regardless, but they did do a good job, and they did fix it. You know, I, I commend you know the developers for going back to do it, but you think of something like a, a, a Division or even a Destiny, some people just don't really care to go back anymore because that is a, it's a very PvE-heavy game. So maybe that's the difference. That Rainbow Six is a, you know, competitive game online. Yeah, and I know it does your have a, I know it changes does... every time you play in those type yeah. of games. Whereas in a PVE, you're only going for gear, and if the gear yeah, that you're going for, you is... go in, yeah. yeah, if the gear you're yeah. going for is not interesting, then where the hell are you playing it? Exactly. So I can see that there's a difference, but I, I guess me personally, with the way games drop nowadays. It's like if you miss that boat of the player base you have from the get-go, you may not get it back again. Yeah. And that is, that's the big problem on them rushing games out so fast. Like I think I know Star Wars sold well recently with the whole loot box um, debacle. That definitely put a dent in what could have been. Yeah. Well, and I believe. I so. mean, and the game itself just fell short from what they wanted to. Like mm-hmm. the, they were saying we have this really interesting storyline with a character who's on the like on the empire side and even myself as being like a star wars nerd i was like oh man that's awesome like i want to see that played through but even the storyline from from what i saw just did it 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 flopped so fast in terms of like yeah you were empire and then you switch so early on and um, and me having read the book too like that has to deal with that group entirely it's so weird that she switched because she was so avid about not switching no matter what it just i don't know i don't know why they had her switch like i just wanted to play 
um, through as an M, like and played through the Empire like fully. Like even if she switched at the end, it would have been different. But she switched yeah. so early on that what's the point? Like you, they literally marketed that game as like play as the Empire, and you don't really play as the Empire for very long. So oh wow, yeah. So that that's that whole aspect of it was just kind of weird. Um, but the the loot boxes definitely don't help. Yeah. So. And and even I, I'm not going to go too far into what the ESRB said last week about the um, they finally had they had to respond because lawmakers are are m- mentioning um, to them like hey you need to relook your policies on loot boxes but the it's very what they did release it was very broad and I'm not it's they're going to have to talk about it again before something gets set in stone because they were just like mentioning like hey this game has loot boxes in it but it's not being particular. Because games can have loot boxes in it, like Overwatch does, where, yeah, you can mm-hmm. buy those loot boxes, but they're completely cosmetic, and you can also obtain them just by playing. You don't actually have to buy them. So Yeah, that's what Destiny also has that, too. There yeah. are, like, you know, the you buy this currency, and basically the currency is just for glamour items yeah. and vanity things. Like, that, that kind of... So. That kind of loot box that you can earn and you don't have to buy, or you could choose to buy it. It's I'm more okay with that than just a normal loot box. But yeah, that, that's never bothered me when it came to anything vanity based. Yeah, but the the I in games like that, I just wish that I could be like, okay, if I want a skin, then I could just get that skin. That's the only thing. Like uh-huh. I like me playing like Smite and stuff like that. Is that like, how Smite is? Yeah. So Smite does have loot boxes, which are cheaper than buying the actual skins outright. Um, mm-hmm. But it only gives you a chance of getting something. So I'd ra- I'd rather just buy the skin. Like if I want to play as that character, mm-hmm. I'm not going to risk taking a chance um, with the loot boxes. Yeah. But some people choose to do that. So yeah, that's why they're there. But yeah, we won't go too deep into loot boxes. Loot boxes have been constantly yeah. talked about <laughs> now for freaking yeah. months at this point. Um, and then yeah. the uh, one other thing that's happened this week that people, were, I guess, were thrown off by when it happened a few months ago, which Game Girl didn't even know because I told him about oh. it and he was like, I had no idea. Uh, yeah, Mario is officially <laughs> a plumber again. So I never knew. Nintendo, because Nintendo wrote like a description online about Mario and they, they took away the fact that he was actually a plumber, like out of his description. I never knew that. I grew up with Mario being a plumber from Brooklyn. Yeah, it, but and, and the crazy Super thing Mario to me is, like, people let Mario just do whatever. Like this guy, he just he comes in, he plays tennis. He's a doctor. Like that guy, he does not have a medical license. I don't want to take anything from Mario, and he doesn't Dr. even talk. Mario. He's just like you're like he's like handing you a pill, and he's dude saying Yahoo, and you're just like I don't want that yep. pill. What the hell is this dude talking about? <laughs> But yeah, I mean, like, oh, and oh, what else? We have isn't there a Mario tennis game supposed to be coming out this year? Is that what what it, what it was? Yeah, yeah. I I'm all for so. Mario tennis, but when that comes out, I, I want to. I'll, I'll take the Super Strikers again. That was fun. Oh hell no! Game. Myself, if Snacks was <laughs> if Snacks was here, he would tell you the stories about that game. Me and oh, him, I remember. <laughs> me and him tried to do all the hardest things that you could do in that game, and I hated that. It was impossible. <laughs> Some of those uh, like achievement things that you had to get, we we almost got all of them, and then I just I couldn't do it anymore. Like the computer was insane. <laughs> there was like a few more that we had to do, and I just I couldn't do it. Could yeah, not it's, do it. It's a fun game though. That's the thing. 
they do when Nintendo does a spin-off of Mario, whether it be tennis, golf, soccer, you know, whatever. There's a sense of quality, and I guess that's one thing people don't respect about Nintendo being in the industry. Whenever they attach Mario to anything, there's a quality base with that. Like there's a base of quality that he has to be set at. Oh yeah. And I like that. It's like it, it's the same concept as say like when when Star Wars attaches any of their characters to anything like you they're not going to put out a Darth Vader and let you put a pink like yeah. color costume on him because you cannot ruin like how Darth Vader is supposed to look like they're very meticulous about people using their their yeah. properties like that and I'm sure Nintendo is a very much the same way when using. Mario as a property. I mean, and they let Ubisoft use it for Mario Rabbids, and that game came out well. They did good. Yeah, that, they, did, they good. did a really good job. Like, I wasn't expecting much from that game, and it's fun. So, all right. Yeah, That's enough for the news for the week. We're going to dive the into the meat of it, what we're here to talk about today. Uh, and we're going to start <laughs> off as the personal level. So, gaming in both of our lifetimes has changed a lot. I I started off at Nintendo as a kid. Well, I did have an Atari, but Nintendo was out when I was very young. Um, we It was the first system that my family had purchased. They actually purchased it for themselves, but I started playing it at a very young age. Um, and here I am now. But I want to talk to Game Guru first to see how just games overall like your your gaming tendencies or the type of games that you have played over time like how has it turned how has it changed from you since when you were younger to where you are now and how's it evolved from a personal level i'd say for one nintendo is my first memory of gaming i remember the exact day the exact night my cousin got it she's a bit older than us got a nintendo and I remember all the adults being in a room, standing there, and everyone's looking up at the TV, and my cousin's got this controller in her hand. And I'm just looking at amazing, like that. Like, it was like a family event. And I remember her being on the water level of Mario, and it was just like, from the get-go, like, just amazement. Like, it, it like, captured me. I'm like, I like this. I want this. This is life. I kept sneaking in the room, like, hey... I, I want to play, and all the adults are like, no, no, no kids, because I was pretty young. I had to be, like, maybe four years old. Wasn't in school yet, and, you know, little kids are going to break stuff, obviously. At least they thought. My cousin called me, and she's like, hey, come here. She's like, here, play. And I remember, like, being captivated by the controller, watching a little plumber on TV jump in the pipes, and I remember I accidentally got the extra man and stuff like that, so that was, like, life. So instantly I got a Nintendo. My dad got it, like, maybe a year later or something like that so it's been big uh tendencies i had like i remember being younger obviously school was the pri- the priority so i played my game mainly on weekends for the most part sometimes on weekdays but i remember being very into it taking like i used to go to book fairs and get the strategy guides to be like castlevania and stuff like that and i dived in but then you know after the, the 2d era i believe i got a super nintendo and a sega and I played, you know, rigorously for years. Like, gaming was, like, everything for me. And I remember getting to middle school, and I got into, you know, I was in sports more, and I was only playing, I believe, through middle school 
on my Sega, my Super Nintendo, like NBA Jam and NBA Live, and I played a couple other games like you know Splatterhouse and some adventure games. But I was heavily into sports, and I sort of fell off of games a little bit. I can say, I mean, I played, I was playing Donkey Kong Country and Street Fighter and stuff at arcades, but at home, I didn't play much Mortal Kombat here and there. But I wasn't like huge, you know, like today. And I believe I fell off, and then it came to my the end of my freshman year. I um, my uncle used to always bring a PlayStation by, and as he brought the PlayStation by, he had Resident Evil, and I seen games change into like this 3D era. I mean, I remember seeing magazines and things like that, but I wasn't really grabbed by it. You know, my mind was elsewhere. But I remember seeing Resident Evil and picking up a gun and picking up herbs and having to solve these puzzles, and I was like totally blown away by it. You know, followed by Tomb Raider, and it, you know, the 3D era was there, and then. You know, 64 came out, and you see Mario 64, and it, like, blew you away, like, holy crap. Mario is no longer in 2D, it's 3D, and it was, like, to me, like, once 3D gaming came, it totally changed my whole, it evolved, literally evolved my whole gaming. I, (laughs) I think when that was probably the point to be noted when gaming really started to become a form of, a heavy form of entertainment. yeah. Yeah, when, because when, you during that it. era, because I mean, before that, it, it was entertainment, but it was more of a here and yeah. there type entertainment. When mm-hmm. they started creating those games with the 3D graphics, and if people started to feel more like they were part of the game, I think, and yeah. because of that, it started to become more of an entertainment-heavy yeah. business. And I guess because it also came a little more realistic too. Like when you seen Resident Evil the first time, someone, I believe my uncle, like took the shotgun and aimed it upwards and shot the zombie's head off. I'm like. Holy crap. What is this? This is like it like literally is the evolution of, of gaming because you know I my my father had like Atari and I came from Nintendo and Sega and Super Nintendo and you saw these sprite based graphics for you know so many years that when it's three D hit and then the second you see Mario inside one of those um I believe it was one of those cannons and he like flies off and he's like flying through the air on sixty you know, Mario sixty four and it's like holy crap. Mario's like doing some stuff I never thought because obviously we only see them in 2D for the most part and it was just mesmerizing you know everything about it was mesmerizing but you know going further than that past just heading into the 3D era like then it became like you know PS2 you know after that and PS2 brought like sport games and stuff like that more realistic I remember playing Madden 2000 maybe 2001 and watching the characters, no, even Dreamcast, sorry for skipping over that, but, you know, when you've seen those games and the sports games, I believe NBA 2K, the first one, it was so lifelike, and it was like, holy crap, it's evolved again. So coming from just the intro to 3D with PlayStation and 64 and Sega Saturn and stuff, you go to Dreamcast, and you go to GameCube, Xbox, and PS2, and it was another revolution. And that was like, I was fully in like I am today. I'm playing everything from the Final Fantasies to the Resident Evils and everything like was fully evolving. But now, like personally, you know, I, I'm not in the platformers like I was. I was just going to ask. It's, <laughs> it's so with all the, the evolutions to gaming, some of us, we, or some people tend to fall off of certain genres. Mm-hmm. Is a platforming a genre that you've fallen off of? Yeah, you know, it's it's it sucks because it's like I don't mean to fall. I just 
now I don't I don't know. I'm not saying oh I'm older. You know I'm not into it. it's kitty. It's not kitty or nothing. But I guess I don't find the joy as much in just playing. I'm more into like story based things that are narrative driven and you know they they push the envelope when it comes to like you know adult themed stuff. Not like rated next, but like you know. Um, like I used recently that Detroit game, uh, you know, I'll play like an Uncharted, which is like an action movie. I'll play like a Mass Effect, which is a space opera. You know, in, in so many games that are narrative driven, they're RPGs. I can go on forever with those, but obviously I can get into those. And I'll play fighting games, and now these paid for service games, which I think are the devil as much as I like it, they take a lot of time. And, you know, I have a five year old, so I got to divvy time up and stuff now, so. I do see myself one day picking up platformers again because I know Ratchet and Clank is a big one. Um, you know, they just redid the Crash Bandicoot, and I loved these games back when. But I like Mario Odyssey. I want to play. I do want to play it. But back when I used to have that itch around '64, even in GameCube days with you know Mario Sunshine, so I don't have. It's not the same anymore because it's like, yeah, I'm gonna have fun, collect all these things. It's like, it becomes more of a collectathon to me. Yeah. But, like, what's going to drive me to, like, jump in and play it again? Remember how you just said, like, uh, you're just saying something about a game uh, before about being driven to play. I believe it might have been the Bayonetta. It's like, you were putting, yeah, you were playing it, putting it down, playing it, putting it down. And you said when you got to Bayonetta 2, you just kept going. You couldn't put it down. Like, it's nothing against Mario. I, I know I want to play it, but obviously, you know, I have a crap load of games. And there's so many other ones I want to get through because I... You know, I like story-based games. You're missing out. I, I I played through Mario in one sitting, essentially. I oh, played it. I, I, I know it's amazing, but you know me. I have that OCD. I'm yeah. going to go for those 900 moons. Oh, yeah. Good luck with I know, that. Yeah, I know people. I follow podcasts, and they, they're close. But I it's the challenge of getting there. I remember trying to get 101 stars, was it, in Mario 64? Well, uh, in Mario 64, it was 120. Yeah, 120, that's what it was. And I remember when we got to, like, the 90s or something like that, and I think it started getting harder trying to find those last few. It did. I Well, so the thing with in the difference in that one, though, is uh, you are able to get all of the stars from the rip in in that game. In, in Mario mm-hmm. Odyssey, you're not able to get every single star until after yeah. you beat, beat the game, and then you can – there's, like, new uh, or new moons that become available. So um, that yeah. – that one is uh, it's a little bit different, but I I kind of like played through it quickly because I I just I don't know certain parts of it grasped me and I really liked certain stages a lot. Some stages I didn't like. Some worlds I really didn't like that much at all. Yeah, but that's what a lot of people said. Like they were like the thing is like you didn't you still cared and loved the game, but there were certain stages you didn't care as much for than others. Yeah. So now before we continue with me, let's. Get a quick one of you know, so revitalization of <laughs> what you did, how you evolved in uh, on your personal level. All right, so some of my first distinct memories that I had with with gaming and how I started off as a gamer it was was with the Nintendo when I was about five, and um, I I remember playing just like normal games like. Uh, like the original Mario and Duck Hunt. I used to play Duck Hunt with the the, the gun right up on the, <laughs> the TV. Right yeah. up on the TV. I mean, I used to be like my my parents told me that I would literally put the the gun on the screen of the TV. Oh, you're one of those kids. Yeah, that I was leaned one it up of those there. kids. Um, 
But yeah, so like I played a lot of those like original Nintendo games, and then I remember as I I got older, I um I remember we we moved, and I uh I was begging <laughs> my my parents to hook up the um the system so I can play, and then they were like, because uh, I was probably like six. Maybe seven. Hold on, now I'm starting to think that's where the shooter came from. You put the gun at the TV, yeah. so it's like a first person shooter with your gun there. <laughs> yeah. So the um, I I remember that was the first time I actually hooked up a learned how, like how to hook a system up for the first time. Oh, you did like, it yourself. I did it myself because yeah, I needed to uh, I needed to play. Like mm-hmm. so, I was like, all right. Let me take care of this. I did it, and then I and then I started playing. So back when I was younger, similar to how Game Guru was talking, I used to play games like intermittently. I was playing a lot of sports when I was younger, and even on top of that, I had like a local group of friends where we used to play football pretty much every day, and I also used to play basketball a lot. So I was I was outdoors quite often, and then I would come home and maybe play gaming for a little bit, and then I would just put it down, but. Back yeah, then, it's crazy how that goes. Back then, like we found, like it was like a subconscious sort of balance. I don't know if it was our parents, but we balanced it. Like I remember, I was a fanatic. Like I tell you, I like used to read magazines and everything to play the games. But I still went out. I played tag. I rode bikes. I I did everything. I found a weird balance. I mean, yeah, maybe yeah. addiction wasn't there yet. Well, I was gonna say I think it had a lot to do with how gaming games were were back then. So. As you, as everybody knows now, most games are much longer now than they were originally. Like you can run through some of like the original Sonics and Mario's really quick. They they were short games, but the um, you can replay them over and over and over again. I would mm-hmm. never get tired. I could play Sonic a billion times when I was younger and yeah, never get there tired were, like, of secrets playing. Secrets in a lot of those games too, though. Yeah, and you just that you were trying to go for. It was more of you just wanted to play it and you wanted to to beat it. And you even if you were mm-hmm. beating the same game, you still wanted to keep beating it. Um, mm-hmm. And it it wasn't until I think the first game that I really had that urge to like constantly just get better at and beat it and just not just beat it, but I mean, destroy it was Gunstar Heroes on the Genesis. So that that game was one of my favorite games from back in the day, and I used to play that game all the time. Between that and Turtles in Time, I used to play the two of those games like crazy, and I I just wanted to keep beating them because to me those were the harder games that I owned, and I wanted to keep beating them, and I did. And um, did you own um, Manhattan Project, the Turtles Manhattan Project? Yeah, I remember, like, that was one of the games, like, I always wanted. I've seen it in, like, you know, the, the papers. But I don't remember seeing it, like, at Blockbuster or anything to rent all the time. Like, Turtles in Time was always there. Yeah. And stuff like that. But uh, I don't I think it was that. as big. Yeah, it wasn't as big. But it was really good because Gianni, I believe, had it after my cousin had it years later. And I'm like, holy crap, how'd this slip under the cracks of gaming? But back then, games are releasing, and I'm like, you know, today we're adults where we're able to grab everything. A lot of shit slipped under the radar back when. Well, yeah, and a lot of it had to do with you learned about games through word of mouth. and exactly. even And a lot of times magazines weren't super big when I was really young. It's when I got a little bit mm-hmm. older and end of elementary school into middle school and whatnot. But um, so after the the era of uh, like Sega, Genesis, and Super Nintendo – and we moved mm-hmm. on to Nintendo 64 and PlayStation. Um, that 
I I was a Nintendo sixty four guy. I I remember seeing like uh, GoldenEye and so Mario. Why 64. is that really quick? Not mm-hmm. to cut you off. Why was it sixty four for you? Was that more of like your group of friends played it more? Yeah. Or did you I, see more commercials of it? I I played Nintendo sixty four because my core group of friends played Nintendo sixty four, and I did not okay. get it when it first came out. I didn't get mm-hmm. it until like a year after it came out, and yeah, they were they were really scarce when they came out because I missed mine too. But the um, the big thing was a lot of my, my group of friends would always get together and play GoldenEye, and uh, I played GoldenEye for a long time before I even had a Nintendo sixty four. And every weekend <laughs> we used to do like sleepovers with a ton of us at one of my friends' house, and we would just constantly play. Um, GoldenEye and some of the other games against each other. It was like GoldenEye, um, San Francisco Rush, which was an old racing game, which, God, that game did not age well. I'll say that. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, so that's where I started playing, like, racing games, like, big time. So I was – I used to love racing games, like, absolutely. Yeah, me too. Love them. It was – I was – that was one of my favorite genres when I was younger was racing games. I played uh, extensively. For years, I, I used to do like the long races in Gran Turismo. Yeah, the uh, Gran Turismo Two, to be specific. I used to do those endurance races that were like yeah. an hour or two hours long. Um, and I used to, and I that was what I was constantly doing. So I was playing those a lot. Uh, I was I wasn't a big into fighting games. The only fighting game I played was Tekken when I was younger, and the only reason I played Tekken was because everybody that I knew played Tekken, and. I played. Yeah. Uh, that's everyone busts my chops about it now. But all I used to play was Eddie Gordo, and um, <laughs> and then in one of the games, a special character, uh, Gone, was in it. The oh, dragon, gosh. and I used to play oh. him. And he was the only other character I used to play. But um, so yeah, but I was, hold on. Before you move on past this era, do you just see that huge evolution right there? That change. Yeah. You said when I got when I played sixty four. We used to sleep over a friend's house. We played as friends. We had the four controllers, and I remember that distinctly because my buddy Brandon next door and another buddy up the street, they all had 64. So we'd bring, okay, you bring two of your controllers, we bring two, and we literally all huddled around one TV and just passed controllers and played GoldenEye. Like Nowadays, it's like, oh, are you home? Okay, hop online. But back then, we went and knocked on the door, and we'd be at someone's house in a room playing these damn games for hours, and it was like, I don't know. Yeah, it was like it, good times. That was yeah. So that was a, um, and I think that might be something that changes with our age. So people who yeah. might have oh, a yeah. bit of, a bit of years on us, they may have done the same thing with like Super Nintendo. Whereas yeah. we were still fairly young when mm-hmm. Super Nintendo came out, and that kind of drive wasn't there. It could have been a thing that had to do with our age. So when Nintendo sixty four became a big thing, it was around middle school for me. So I think age might have had to do the factor in that one. But um, yeah, but yeah, we're that, big. We're, we're big driving force on that whole multiplayer front because if Bond was never that popular, think about it. That was the first console, first-person shooter that made it, so to speak. Yeah, that and it was that because was a, kids gathered in a house and played for hours and had sleepovers and played for hours. And I can even add the the wrestling games that '64 had: WCW, NWO, uh, Revenge, WrestleMania 2000, and No Mercy. Those were four-player. We used to have a ball on playing those wrestling games yeah and i think so know? i think that that era especially i think the nintendo 64 really drove um mul- like multiplayer games mm-hmm. like the uh split screen multiplayer games were a big mm-hmm. thing on the nintendo 64 i think um what the playstation really did 
in, in terms of my own personal experiences was we used to swap controllers and play through single player games a lot on the mm-hmm. PlayStation. So uh, like Resident Evils and, and whatnot were, were big in that aspect. And then it wasn't until the uh, the year, I think until Final Fantasy VIII came out that I even touched a Final Fantasy because I played Final Fantasy VII oh, wow. when Final Fantasy VIII mm-hmm. came out. Um, and then, but yeah, so it, it took me a while to get into RPGs. Uh, I was mostly playing the platformers and sports games and whatnot. And then as I got older, I started playing a lot of shooters. So the next, the next genre was heavy on shooters. I was playing on a consistent basis, like SOCOM two, And, um, like I, I met a bunch of people through SOCOM two that I still talk to today. And like uh, that I'd still used to play shooting games with uh, for a while. And then I played like the battlefields and, and the call of duties and that shooters yeah, so. were a huge, huge part of gaming for me for a long time. And for the most part, I'm all, I don't play them as much anymore. Like they still are still a favorite genre of mine to play. Cause no matter what, it's a new type of experience and it's yeah. a competitive thing. Like I, I just liked playing competitive games. Yeah. That raises a question for me. I have two of them actually. For evolution purposes, what drove you in Final Fantasy? You didn't play RPGs much before, but what grabbed you that made you sort of evolve into this huge, because you're a huge RPG fan, whether you play a lot of them these days or not, that's a big genre for you as a gamer overall. But what, you know, when you first got to seven, what was that that changed you? So, do you think it was just like an age that you got to where reading wasn't bad? You were more into like a narrative driven plot? So, yeah, so as, that's the thing I think uh, um, that we, we failed to really mention between both of us as we were younger, where mm-hmm. w- when you're a certain age, you're not really as much into story. You're, you yeah. just want playability, which is why all of these um, platformers were like perfect for us growing up because that's you're just playing for the platforming and the, the fun mm-hmm. of beating the stage. Like there really isn't a lot of story in those games. It's, it's almost non-existent. I mean, yeah. hell, even Gunstar Heroes, it had a story, but hell if I remember what the hell was going on. Yeah. Like, it was pretty much saying, just like, beat the boss and save games. the world. Yeah. Like, yep, that's, exactly. that's, all I, that's all I wanted to do. And then once I got to a point where, um, when I got older, and I realized that I can customize things and, and play through this story, and, like, reading didn't seem like a chore in a game anymore, that was when... Uh, that game started appealing to me because when I was younger, yeah. I just used to skip all the talking. I didn't care yep, about it. Me I just too. wanted to play. Stupid talking. I just wanted to play to play the game, and and yeah, it's. I think that's what it was. I I became intrigued by the idea of being able to immerse myself in something and create my own character, and I think that had a lot to do with just my imagination as a whole. Because even as I got older, like I I wanted to play things like uh, Dungeons and Dragons and stuff because I mm-hmm. thought things like that were cool. Like just being able to immerse yourself in in different stories or, or worlds like that and um but that just came with age and that's why like whereas like the industry changes as on its own self and, and it evolves uh we personally go through the the differences and see things differently like whereas game guru said like he kind of outgrew platformers there are certain games that I still play that are platforming games. While I don't necessarily like go out of my way to play them, there are platform games out there right now yeah. that I do enjoy um, to play. Like Hollow Knight is a lot of fun to play. Yeah, they're they're making two D platformers are making a resurgence in the indies. Hey, 
Spyro's right coming back. That's a 3D yeah, platformer. Her. Yep. Oh, I, yeah. That, that is actually exciting to me because I think it was like two years ago that I actually beat and played through an entire Spyro finally. And oh, wow. I beat it in one sitting. It wasn't a very long game, but it was fun. Like, I, I enjoyed it. And even as a grown man, I was like, this is like, I, I see why people liked this so much when I was younger. Like, <laughs> I, I enjoyed playing the demo of it because that was all I had. Yeah, I, I remember. That's, you know, that's funny that you say that because one of the girls on, um, what is it? I, I don't know if it was Brittany or one of them from What's Good Games. They yeah. were talking about that, saying how, you know, when they were younger, all they had was that Spyro demo, and they played the hell out of it like it was a single, like it was a full game, yeah. and you know, for months and months, just played the same shit. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. So like that, that has. Um... It's 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 crazy to to look at things like that because we had demos uh, a lot. We had the PlayStation Magazine demos, mm-hmm. and I think some of the other magazines would occasionally have demos. Yeah, the as play, well. PlayStation Underground was also something you got in the mail with the demo disc. Yeah, so like those those demos were infamous to us back in the day because it allowed us to play something that we didn't um, that we didn't ever really get to to play. I mean, we might never ever actually owned it. But we've probably mm-hmm. played the first stage of those games a billion times. <laughs> I remember the first Cool Borders was on a demo oh, disc. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And I, that, that. I I played the hell out of that game. And like when I got older, I realized I really liked playing snowboarding games. I still would love mm-hmm. to play another snowboarding game. Like I'd I'd love for them to make another uh, really SSX. good one. So yeah, like that was a big part of like SSX Tricky was like one of my favorite games growing up. Like I mm-hmm. I put so many hours into that game. Um, but that that's the thing, like, uh, we have all changed in, in the things that we really like to play. Like, now, I will almost always go straight for RPGs more than anything. But mm-hmm. I just blew through two action RPG games, or two action adventure games, because yeah. I really wanted to, like, play them, and I couldn't put them down. I also blew through Mario this year, which is a 3D platformer. Like, there, there's those kind of games still grab my attention. Yeah, and you think I, about it. Like we used to, we used to play those games and replay them really quick. Okay, play it again, replay it over and over. Nowadays, with so many games that we have, but this is an evolution for me. Obviously, is I used to buy a game and I'd play it over and over and over, try and get every secret and pick it apart because it was the only game I had at the time. But I got them quite often, you know, as I got older. But that's what I used to do. Nowadays, I beat a game and I'll put it down and. I may never touch it again. There's a lot of games I beat, and it's like because the freaking the mill is like just running. You're grabbing a game off, you're playing it, beating it, switch to it, and then you get in the freaking limbo of a paid for service game that's really good and it's addicting as they all are. And your pile just keeps growing up and up and up. Uh, you know, check our backlog uh, episode if you want to hear more about that. But. Uh, yeah, we've evolved. Let's put it that way. Life changes, you know. We've been gaming, if you think about it, twenty plus years now. Yeah. So that that's kind of just a little bit of a taste in our personal um, gaming experiences. They, it's that's something that we can go on forever about because mm-hmm. we've been gaming for so long, and there's so many games that we've played over the years. So um, I'm gonna switch the the change up to how the companies themselves have evolved and how this generally has um, affected us as gamers. Um, So, I mean, we've kind of, you kind of see how the flow of games have changed 
throughout the years in terms of like how we said we were playing a lot of platformers when we were younger and as we got older games became more of an entertainment thing um mm-hmm. and i think that had a lot to do with the limitations of of the hardware that they were coming out with platformers were easy for them to create and um they they can release a platformer that realistically wasn't a very long game um but they can sell it for like the full price and people would get their their money's worth out of it because they would just mm-hmm. continuously play it uh, yep. and they kept pushing that ideal for a while until they were able to really start making other games i mean look at hell look at how like sports games first started off look at the yep. original john madden football oh, i mean man. uh look at the <clears throat> nhl games that used to come out every year nhl 97 or nhl 96 yep. i don't even remember when they first started uh those those games like going back and trying to play those now it's so crazy to see how oh, yeah. much the those genres have changed but in the same regard yeah they've changed on the outside and then, and yeah while they they play differently too those those genres are kind of just rinse and repeat copy and paste every year yeah now. nowadays because it's so hard like graphically now I don't. I'm not saying we're at a standstill. You can probably push it a bit more now, but it seems like you know companies are more into the technological end of the gaming now. You know how can we get it to run better? How can we get the fidelity to pop? Look at it, colors with HDR and 4K. That seems to be like that that uh, focus nowadays. And obviously, the paid for service games is a huge evolution of the companies because. Gaming as a whole is not as small as it used to be. It's bigger than the film industry now. It's billions upon billions of dollars now. So they found ways to sort of capitalize on making more money with, you know, I hate to bring up loot boxes again, but loot boxes and microtransactions, period. And to get players to buy a game, that's not going to be the 10-hour experience and you put it on the shelf after. These are games we're buying nowadays that, you know, we just said with Division, Destinies, these games are going on for three years of people, you know, playing and buying DLCs. It's, it's lucrative, and it, it is a cool idea. We've always wished, you know, to jump back. You know, I, I find the crazy part about the crazy thing about this whole evolution episode that we're doing is you think about me and Fu. We've lived through so many eras now that kids of the internet era won't even understand that you know we were the ones sitting in the bedroom playing this multiplayer game move over to the next generation of socom a beginning uh, you know wasn't the first online game obviously dreamcast did it and i believe saturn might have had a, a a modem on it too but they had like small internet based stuff but you think about the playstation network adapter which sony you know took off with online then and you think about someone like you know you uh foo who's played, you know, the Golden Eyes. Then you jumped into SOCOM. So right there you see an evolution of an in-the-bedroom to an online generation of gamers, and you're still friends with You think about our MMO episode last week being online, massive multiplayer online. Then you go to the Call of Duties. I mean, evolution-wise, we've seen it all. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's uh, you know, not to sort of toot our own horn, but where we grew up, you know, sometimes if you sit back and, and you just, you know, think back you you see how privileged we are to see an evolution of technology even beyond video games and whatnot we lived in a very progressive world and even to now we're just in our 30s and we've seen a huge evolution in gaming and we see how the companies focus 
has changed completely now. It is more about money now. Sometimes I hate that, but are you going to get mad at a company for wanting to get to make more money to bring you more games? You know, you really can't be mad at it. Yes, there are some shady underhand business deals because now the game industry is so big, I think, that there aren't hardcore gamers like me, myself. I consider myself a hardcore gamer. You know, food, technically, even if we don't have the time, we're still hardcore gamers because of what we put in and what we play. But then you get these people that literally will only play Overwatch all day, will only play Destiny all day, will only play, wow, Final Fantasy um, 14. These people only play these games. They don't play other video games. You know, I know people that play 2K. So if you have these people that basically brought the business from a million dollar uh, industry to billions, you're going to make money on those people now because that's what they do. They pay for services to be delivered and that's what they get, you know? And I, I think that that is one of the big parts in how gaming has changed. And we've seen like all the, the way that these companies have, have pretty much come out and shown that they want to change to doing, service-based games like it's it's inevitable that they're going to be doing that now yeah in the future it'll be interesting to see that if because they're pushing like these service-based games that the amount of games that get pushed out from the AAA titles lowers and they just focus on creating like consistent experiences with their games or um yeah because i i honestly don't know how it's going to go i mean we still have companies like bethesda who are still focusing on doing gotta, their own thing. Like they, yeah, you got to respect that. Even they, Sony's first party, same thing. They're they actually refocus on their own internal studios and they bring those single player experiences to players. And I think we do need that. You know, you know, a Destiny or something like that's going to sell tens of millions. You know, recently Horizon Zero Dawn just got, uh, you know, they just put out that they sold almost eight million in a year and it's a new IP and it's a single player experience. There's no online. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. I mean, yeah, there are a basically 80 million PS fours out there, but it's what I was just saying. The casual, the hardcore gamers versus the casual gamer, not that they play casually is that they play only that Madden or that 2k or that call of duty or that destiny or overwatch every year there are more of those players than there are people that pay for those other games but i still think that's a good thing like you were bringing up bethesda and they do their own thing still that deliver that really high-end single-player experience which i love they they beat to the or they march to the beat of their own drum essentially Mm -hmm. and they they want to keep doing that and they're they don't want to stop and i it'll be interesting to see how long they can keep doing things like that because i know I don't know how they do financially, and I th- I'm sure they're obviously doing oh, well enough to keep a- to keep following the way that they're doing. But it's um, it at some point in time that that amount of money that you see like EA posting and whatnot, like the amount of money that they're taking yeah. in, it, it becomes enticing. Like they, uh, EA makes an astronomical amount just from the microtransactions within a year, not a, not even a- including the sales and. Honestly, like the EA is never going to be hurting for money as long as they keep making sports games. The sports games are what literally drives their uh, them as a publisher. So, like you, as long as they have the like their soccer game, like FIFA, mm-hmm. as long as they have FIFA, the FIFA drives sales worldwide. Damn matter, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, what I can say is I understand 
where you're going with that, like, you know, how companies are going to see that EA is getting that money. But there are developers that they have a story to tell and they have, they're very particular about what product they put out, like a Hideo, Hideo Kojima or, you know, people like that, that will, they don't, I mean, they care about sales, obviously, but they're looking to put this experience out there opposed to making the buck. You know, they're still going to make their money. But um, I just looked up really quick. Um, we were talking about Bethesda. And this was as of, I believe this as of 2015. I think, uh, yeah, as of November 2015, Skyrim sold 22 million copies. So... We're three years later right now in the release of Skyrim VR and Skyrim on the Switch. I'm quite sure they've sold over 30 million. And that's what else would they need? You know? Oh, yeah. That's you know, they they're, 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 doing, they're doing extremely well. I mean, even think about this. Think of Grand Theft Auto. I mean, yes, the online is the driving force right now. Grand Theft Auto 5 is still in like top 10 every month and it's it been has, out for like three years. It has been top 10 every month. Since it has yeah. come out. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess there, there's still a place. I mean, for new new IPs, I think. I mean, even Capcom's biggest seller is Monster Hunter, even though it's a pay-for-service. Not a pay-for-service game, but it's a service-based game. Yeah. You know, and they just, you know, put up that they got 7.5 million sold in a month. That's nuts. Yeah. So they, they're doing it like, I don't know. It's, it's crazy to see how... Um, how they're gonna they're gonna continue and and I think this year uh, we're expecting to see some kind of announcement from them from who uh, from Bethesda, uh, Bethesda. On, like, oh yeah game. definitely oh yeah definitely because it's it's been about that amount of time and when Fallout came out um, it was like what four months after they announced it at E three yeah yeah four to five months later it came out yeah so we'll see something yeah E three is gonna have a lot of announcements. I'm sure. Sure. Yeah, it should be. This is the. It's weird. It's going to be that turning point year. You know, do we hear about the new consoles? Won't be out next year, maybe the year after. But do we hear anything about them this year? Uh, Whisper, maybe. Who Probably knows? Not. You know, hear more from Nintendo and what they got coming next because they did throw their big guns out. You know, this uh, the industry is ever evolving. Let's put it that way. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Boone. What's that? Turn your headphones down. Turn them, turn them down? Yes. I can hear myself. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. I, I've been oh, trying to like motion to you to do it for a while. Oh, I thought we turned off our... Uh... I turned it back on. Oh. <laughs> and I wrote in the chat for you to turn my volume down because I could hear myself. Oh, I didn't even know that. I didn't have my camera up. I didn't <laughs> even see it. All right. Okay. All right. I don't think I, I don't hear myself anymore. So, okay. All right, all right. We can, we'll go from when I talked about uh, what they're gonna say at E three, and I will continue on from that point. Okay. All right. And okay. All right. So the and it's also interesting to see it what companies like um, Activision do with. Call of Duty. So the the crazy thing is we've always seen um, games like changing and and where the the uh, the actual fight is being held in a lot of the shooting games. And 
like uh, they they've evolved from originally being in like World War II to the modern combat ages, and I think a lot of that actually had to do with technology. They can get yeah. away with doing the uh, the World War II shooters, which pretty much most shooters were for like four or five years because they were slower paced shooting games. And then finally, when technology caught up, they were able to do these super fast paced uh, modern shooting games. And now they're going full circle and they're going back to these older style games, whereas we just saw Call of Duty do it. And now we have uh, the rumors coming out that Dice or that Battlefield is going to be doing with their next one as well. In in our lifetime, we've seen that come full circle, whereas oh, young, yeah. the younger generation has not because this is something that myself and Game Guru were talking about uh, the other day where the the younger generation hasn't actually seen the World War II shooters unless they yeah, purposely like we went out of their way. was big when we were younger. Yeah, like unless they went out of their way to play these games when they were younger or they had somebody who was older in their family, they would have never noticed it, never seen it. And um, now as they're older, like they're they're about to get to play World War Two shooters for the first time. Whereas a lot of the older generations like, oh, man, really? Like this is <laughs> we've seen this so yeah, much already. But and it's and we realize that we just sound like we're, we just our age shows when we say things like that. So like that. But that has to do with like the evolving technology in gaming. So the um, with technology always evolving too, and, and even with graphics constantly being upgraded, look at how many games are coming out that are remastered. And oh, yeah. It's like the remasters are crazy, and people are still buying them because it's just ma- it's polishing and making better the experience that they already had once before. Or you get things like us with Bayonetta 1 and 2, where we never finished them. And we never even got a chance to play Bayonetta 2, and that comes out remastered. You want to know another thing that's that's a reason why I'm big on remasters, too, is because in, in ways, I mean, I love new games. I love a lot of new stuff that comes out, but my favorite era would probably have to be that PS1, PS2, GameCube, and that era. So seeing that the, you know, them sharpen up the graphics and, you know, make them run smoother, you know, by today's, you know, graphical standards, I mean, I... I don't have a problem with that. Like, I know people are always like, oh, you know, I want a super, super open world. I want them to do more with the open worlds that we have now. And it's like, for me, sometimes I just shake my head like, no, open worlds are already, like, the breaking point for me in adventure games nowadays. They're big enough, you know? Oh, and, yeah. And I, I hear people say, oh, no, they need to make them bigger. No, you know, I keep them small. And I think that's why I like them, like, from that era, because... You know, it's it's trying to. These games are evolving a bit too much for me personally, but you know, I guess that's just the name of the game. Well, the the open the problem I think with a lot of the open world games too is, and not all of them do it, but a lot of them do it. They give you a lot of busy work quests to do. Yeah, and like I don't. Well, yeah, I don't mind doing it if I really, really like the world that I'm in. Like, if I really like the world that I'm in, I will gladly Mm -hmm. do these busy work quests. Because I just want to keep doing things in the world, like Skyrim. But the other problem with games like that is, once I get derailed from <laughs> doing that that quest and like the main quest line, it, I end up never going back to it. Uh, and yeah. and while granted, like um, what Zelda Breath of the Wild did was great. Like I, I enjoyed playing it for the time that I spent on it. But I don't think I can ever finish a game like that because. I just want to do everything, and I 
end up losing track of time. Yeah, that's not and just for me. And I just feel like I'm not accomplishing anything after a while. And that mm-hmm. becomes upsetting to me and it ends up um, pushing me away from the game. Now, the um, I think that's just something that's changed over time with these open world games is they, they add a lot more to it. And I think because the developers want you to stay into in their worlds for longer they add a lot of these quests to keep you in there longer to make you play it longer and doesn't necessarily mean that it's a always a good thing when they're keeping you in it so a lot of times i'd like them to just keep that fluff out and let me kind of go through it because that fluff pulls me away from the main story and i may never finish it yeah it pulls you so far away and i won't mind if it was like something like oh you get this super secret special sword or piece of armor later on in the game. And, you know, at least I feel like I'm progressing towards something. Like, okay, I'm doing a main quest, but if I do the side quest, you know, when I get later in the game, you know, there's, you know, at least following the story of what the side quest is, is I'm, you know, making some new weapon that's going to be awesome later on. That would be a good driving force. Make that busy work worth something. You know, sometimes you go out on these side quests and it's like, oh, yeah, here, here's one acorn. Oh, here's five apples. You might need it for cooking later on. Yeah. The thing that I will never <laughs> understand, and game developers, please hear me. If, you are, if you're doing a quest in a game and it's like, kill this bear, you need four bear paws. And you kill a bear and you can't get one of its paws? <laughs> like, come on now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you really destroy every single one of its paws that, while you were trying to, to kill yeah. it that you weren't able to get any bear paws? Like, that, that always seemed like a, a silly thing to me. But I, I understand why they do it. Um, I take yeah. a more challenging monster than make the drop rates crappy. You know, make it so that I went to fight this monster three, four times, and he kicked my ass. I really got to beat him if I want this claw. I'll take the challenge opposed to R and Jesus. <laughs> R and Jesus. So, so yeah, like the, and I think um, one of the other, like, uh, it, and it's actually, so uh, I, I needed to get my thought process there for a second. It's funny <laughs> to see how gaming has evolved, but we still hold on to certain genre like or eras of gaming now that still do well in terms of like how they play so what i mean by that is like rpgs sprite-based rpgs are still very much a thing and they they have lived the tale of time and they're still here and i that is i think because that like art style is still sought after to be played by many people and it it just, it doesn't, I mean, it does age well. Whereas a game like Final Fantasy VII <laughs> graphics, while, yeah, it's that it hits a nostalgia point for us, but it didn't necessarily age well. I mean, you can't sit there and say that that game was graphically, is graphically impressive now. Um, well, it was at the time, but I mean, it was still ridiculous because they had block hands and no mouths. <laughs> yeah. I wish I mean, I'd take a, a remake, even if it wasn't as huge, you know, fidelity wise as the new one, and you know the uh, the in battle graphics of the characters. If they even took those and made them high res, I'd live with that because at least they were proportioned, right? Yeah, yeah, and and I, it's it's interesting to see how like the pixel um, those the, those type of graphics still do very well. I mean, there's so many RPGs that still come out in that that style and and mm-hmm. you still have games like Octopath Traveler who are using that still sprite based 
style, but they're adding a twist to it. And I think that's extremely interesting that they're doing things like that. But I, I also think that by doing things like that, one, they're being, um, they're being creative artistically. And mm-hmm. two, that allows them to do different things with the other, like the battle system, for instance, and how games like play out, like just watching how they do the battle system and stuff. And it stills, it allows it to be like an interesting turn-based RPG game. Cause I mean, when, with all the upgrades and graphics and you look at final fantasy 15, now final fantasy has gone from being a turn-based style game to uh, like a half action style game when they threw mm-hmm. the ATB gauge to now it's, it's, very very much action based with it still has a little bit of a gauge but i mean it's it's pretty much action based now and yeah. and i think I that has really, a lot to do with the way that technology off subject i hope you crack that tonight and play <laughs> i'm not gonna play it tonight. i'm gamed out today i've played so many games today um but it's it's yeah like it's crazy to see things some things are constantly going progressive into things like that and then you've got some games that are going backwards because they're going to the pixel art which is has stood strong for many many years i mean and and just to show like like go play final fantasy 6 now that game aged perfectly fine it's not not, speaking of that what is your take on the secret of mana you know the remake that's you know, they didn't go full on like you know modern day graphics remake, but they put it in 3D versus so the 2D. My take, you have to take with a grain of salt because I have never played the original. <laughs> yes, yeah, I know see, what the I original looks That's like. why I'm wondering if I should play the original. I do have a the Super Nintendo Mini or whatever, and it has it on there. I'm wondering if I should play that original, then play the 3D remake, or yeah, do the 3D remake and go back. I don't know. It's so. The original. Everybody loves the original. I, I need to play the original. I'm here, and I, I saw can. whispers yesterday that people were saying Chrono Trigger, Xenogears, Secret of Mana were like top three. Like those were like well top five of everyone, you know, that was talking on this. Uh, they were talking on this page yesterday, and those were there. And I'm like, why does Secret of Mana keep coming up? People say they loved it that much. I remember it being big, but is it that good? <laughs> RJ, see, and this is a we're good for RJ Snacks uh, yes. because if he was here, he can easily talk about that game because RJ Snacks has played through Secret of Mana many times, and he actually did it on stream entirely once before too. So it's I have literally only watched people play it. It's that was kind of like a Chrono Trigger was for me, where I never play it until like five or six years ago, and. Um, then I completely understood why people thought that game was so good, and like I, and that's coming from playing it twenty years after it released. I mean, yeah. maybe not twenty, but pretty damn close to it. And yeah, like that game has aged completely well. And I, I just, I think it's that style. Like Super so Nintendo good. had pretty much just like perfected their the way that their games played in that style with RPGs, mm-hmm. especially because it was just Square, it, man. it fit so well. With, uh, with RPGs and yeah, Square was literally just they were untouchable at that time with RPGs. There was they just pumped games out left yeah. and right, and they had that great- because like people still like that one when those newer graphics come out with that type of, of um, or newer games come out with that type of graphics. I think it just plays to people's nostalgia. But mm-hmm. as long as the game itself is really good, then people can can, can enjoy it. Yeah. So, before we finish for the night, 
Um, is there anything that, so do you see gaming companies going in any particular direction in the future? Because as we, we see now we've got the, all, like a lot more service-based games are probably coming down the pipes from some of the major developers. So do you see some of the major developers maybe taking a step back and maybe realizing, Oh, maybe this isn't the way to go. Or do you see a lot more going full, like heads in or full diving straight into it? I think everyone is sort of at a point where you kind of see where they're going and where they're at. I mean, look at Nintendo. They're just, they're going to give us that mobile experience with the option to dock. You know, they're going to, they're going to take things. The thing about Nintendo, which I can praise them about and I can't hate, is that they look at the industry. People always say, oh, Nintendo's behind. No, they, they fall behind. Old ways of thinking. No, they evolve. But they do it in a smart way. You think about it. I, Breath of the Wild wasn't my game of the year last year. Was it a great game? It was a great eight and a half, maybe nine. For me personally, eight and a half out of ten. And it did open world great just like a lot of stuff like you know your witchers and you know your your skyrims and stuff they did it great and they did it their own way and it was a huge evolution of what zelda was that i like it personally as much no because i don't like open world games like that but i see that nintendo may not change their style completely but they do see it and they do adapt even mario odyssey i didn't play much of it i mean you can speak on that and is it open world is it hub base is it an evolution of what the other Marios were before it, in your opinion? The new Mario? Yeah, or is it just gameplay-wise, they just know how to keep making Mario interesting, and I think that's so, what it is. I, yeah, so I don't think it was light years ahead of any of the other Marios. I mean, honestly, the um, the 3D Marios have all just kind of done little different twists with yeah. what they've always been capable of doing. And Mechanic-wise, I really, they know what to do. Yeah, and... and like where can they go from from mm-hmm. that? And they can't. I don't think that there's too much like mind blowing that they can do in terms of a 3D platformer. But they can always add new mechanics and keep um, it fresh. And, well, to keep to it do. fresh. So like adding things like being able to to switch from 3D to 2D like they do, and, that was awesome. and things like that. When like that awesome. doing doing things like that is is what makes those genres stay interesting and. Um, technology-wise, I don't really know where they can go down the line in, yeah. in uh, a game like that that would really kind of blow people's minds. Yeah, true. And I think of you know a company like an EA, which pretty much laid its cards right on the table and said that their focus is going to be pay-for-service games. You know, I don't know how deep they're going to go on the loot boxes, but that's where they're going to stand because they axed the company that was doing a single-player Star Wars game. Yeah, you know, that, so I'm thinking. I, I know they call it a crap load of heat for that, but I think that's their direction, you know, and what they're doing with their games. I think Ubisoft is, is still. They're going to keep their 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 portfolio is going to be very diverse. I I, they, I don't think they're going to go in one direction. They're going to give you a lot of stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, Sony obviously their first party is going to really stick to doing these single player story-driven, narrative-driven, emotional games as they do, and they do it great. But at the same time, they have third parties to make up for other stuff. You know, then Xbox, i that's the only company that's the big question mark to me. I don't know what they're doing, because Sea of Thieves is coming out soon, and that may be a big hit because they have the new Game Pass 
where you pay 10 bucks a month and they're going to have their own games up there and even brand new games like a Sea of Thieves that may not have sold had it been separate, but now that's going to be part of Game Pass and you know people are going to be paying 10 bucks a month for this service, they're going to play Sea of Thieves automatically and that might bring other people into it. So the evolution of Microsoft is going to be it's going to be different. I can't really pinpoint what they're going to do with their their uh, new service that they're giving in, what their first party, what type of games they're going to make. I think you touched on it, that they might be able to do it to where they can put games out in episodes and not have to do a full game anymore. That can be, that's a huge evolution, you know, especially going with the paid uh, subscription-based game pass, putting their first party games up there, and then they can jump forward and, you deliver episodic games to you directly through their service, you know. That's a game they can play, and which is really cool because Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft all have something different to give you, and that's what I like about gaming nowadays. The choices are vast compared yeah. to what we ever had. Before, they all sort of blended. Like, oh, yeah, you got this version. It looks a little better here. Oh, I like this controller more. Nintendo has its stuff. You know, Sony has its few things. Microsoft has its few things. But they all sort of melded now more than ever, they've all evolved into what they're going to be, and they've sort of individualized themselves. I know people get on Xbox about not having first-party games, but you know what? With the Game Pass thing and whatever else they do with it, it it's going to be their own thing. Sony, what they're doing, it's going to be their own thing. Nintendo has always been its own thing, so yeah, think about Nintendo it. Yeah, literally always like, they're, they're always been off on their own little island yeah, trying crazy exactly. things. And I, I like it. I like it a lot. I know people are pushing for Sony to give handheld another chance, you know, do something like the Switch now. But I mean, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even spend the money on doing it, even though I'd want it personally, but I wouldn't do it. Stick, you know, stay in your lane for now. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how how things change throughout Mm -hmm. the next few years because I feel like we're going to start seeing uh, focus, like maybe different focuses based off of business plans. Mm -hmm. and and then some companies will still be trying to, to stay true to themselves. And I think there'll be a, a, a big change. And I think we're going to see a, a full different assortment of how games are coming to us and mm-hmm. how games are going to continue to come to us in the future. I mean, there's only so much they can do graphically now. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see what they do with uh, technology in the future. Because graphics have always been one of the biggest changes that we've seen uh, over time. Because graphics started off as like little sprites and have now come to like full three like three D modeled characters, and yeah, maybe we could do I, a whole I, episode on graphics sooner or later. Yeah, I mean um, graphics have because been that such is an giant... interesting question. Where have we been? Where can we go? And you know, what have been our favorites? It, that's a that's a huge discussion in itself. You know, graphics. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, graphics graphics have have been one of the biggest and easily noticeable changes. Yeah, over, and you being a PC time. guy who knows basically sky is the limit when your if your wallet's that big, you yeah. know. So that you know that could be an interesting uh, discussion coming up. And we'll leave that one for another day. Yes. But on that note, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to us talk and ramble on a bit about how gaming has evolved over time and how we see it going in the future. Man, we gotta get some sort of forum going or something eventually. I know. So you know, once we get for now, there is see what people think. So for now, there's there's different ways that you guys can can reach us. And for those of you who are listening and you want to give us some feedback, uh, you can either reach out to us at gamingstartshere at gmail dot com. You can reach out to us on Facebook, 
Or you can even comment on any whatever platform you are listening to this podcast on. Feel free to comment on there. And we can respond to you on the show. If you have something you want, a question you want to ask us, we can do questions. Anything that you guys want to let us know, just you enjoyed something we listened to, you hated something that you listened to, you can tell us on any of those ways. As always, thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next time. Later, guys.